Welcome to another edition of Advancing Talent. I am very excited to introduce our guest for this episode, Courtney Lewis, who is the Director of Human Resources for the Corporate Division at Houston Methodist Hospital. Courtney brings over 20 years of professional HR experience. She has deep competencies in strategic HR partnerships, staff and leadership development, organizational consulting, training facilitation, meeting facilitation, uh, learning and development, employee retention, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Houston Methodist is, according to U.S. News and World Report, the number one flagship hospital in Texas. It has over 30,000 employees and is comprised of a nationally recognized academic medical center, six, I should say, eight now, eight community hospitals, a long-term acute care hospital, a physician organization, research institute, and a global health organization. With those 30,000 employees, it has over 2,200 operating beds and is a standard of care uh, for those in Texas. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Spencer. Uh, it makes me proud even to hear you speak about our organization, Houston Methodist. I can tell you as I was listening, I, I, I smile came over my face, but it's my pleasure to be here speaking with you today. So by U.S. News and World Report, uh, you are the number one hospital uh, in Texas. Uh, you have magnet status uh, at four of your hospitals. That is not an easy milestone to achieve. So let me just start with a broad question. Um, how did Houston Methodist become the number one hospital in Texas? You've been at Houston Methodist for a number of years. Can you, from your perspective, share with us and our viewers uh, that journey that Houston Methodist went on and the importance of you and your area uh, as a people leader? Sure. It's, it's a, a, a great thing for me to reflect on, actually, you know, being part of such a, a great organization, number one in Texas. Uh, the thing that popped in my head almost immediately about the how is that consistently and um, kind of as the core, Houston Methodist keeps the patient at the center of everything we do. Um, that is hardwired in every employee in our organization, even those of us like myself who are non-clinical. Uh, we are here to serve and to serve the patient. Um, and with that, we are on a journey to unparalleled quality, safety, service, and innovation. And so that's what we strive to do. And, and you see it um, in all of uh, our interactions, our workflows, our processes. We are patient-centric. And I think that is about... Uh, how we've become so great and kind of right in conjunction with that, I would say, is our culture. Um, so as a people leader, uh, we want to bring in people who are a match and a fit to our core values, the I care values. So at Houston Methodist, integrity, compassion, accountability, respect and excellence um, are the values of not only the organization, but the people and the talent within the organization. And so 
Um, hopefully, you know, with many people that will resonate, you know, every organization has a set of core values. At Houston Methodist, unlike anywhere I've worked before, you see the values lived in our people and by our people on a daily basis. And so uh, that is, you know, the essence of how I believe uh, we have uh, been able to achieve number one and remain number one and grow and have, quite frankly, the reputation that we have um, in this city, in this state, and beyond. I, I love that answer, and I love the I care acronym. It sounds like this is a unifying cultural mnemonic or statement that everyone rallies around at Houston Methodist. How long have you had this I care framework? Sure. It's been around long before me. I'll tell you that. I can recall um, preparing for my own interview and researching Houston Methodist and seeing uh, something online about the I care values and uh, really appreciating that at the time. And I've been with the organization next month will be seven years that I've been with Houston Methodist. But I believe uh, this goes back, you know, uh, several decades, actually, um, from when I care became a part of kind of our culture and, and the cornerstone there. Well, let's rewind the clock a little bit and talk about you and your journey to Houston Methodist. What prompted you to pursue the field of, of human resources and talent development and leadership development? Sure. Uh, I uh, am a proud uh, graduate in terms of undergraduate education of Texas A&M University and College Station. And I can remember going to the Campus Career Center pursuing um, a job at the end of my studies. I uh, have a degree in psychology, a Bachelor of Science, and I came out, uh, frankly, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do, potentially furthering my education uh, with a master's or a doctorate, um, but I wasn't quite ready to do that. And so I needed to work, <laughs> Spencer, and so I went to pursue a job, not necessarily a career, and I ended up working for an investment company. And after about a year at that investment company, uh, kind of even growing internally pretty quickly, I was promoted within the organization. I began to ask myself, what's next for me? I had been tapped to train people. I was being asked to train new hires, and then I got involved in let's coordinate an in, kind of internal career fair in the spirit of internal career mobility. And that led me to determine that I wanted to pursue a master's in business. I just thought, let me get my MBA. Let me get uh, strengthen my business acumen and knowledge. I understood kind of training and learning and development to be something that you know, I was skilled in and perhaps more interested in. And so I did then uh, go back to school to pursue that MBA. And during my time in school, I took some human resources classes. I took a class that kind of changed my life, which was a class on organizational development and behavior. And so um, through my studies, that is what actually uh, was the catalyst. It kind of sparked the passion, right? And um, it was the catalyst for me saying, this is my career. This this is where I want to go. And so uh, I changed jobs in the course of my studies. I was uh, uh, offered an opportunity to join the human resources department at the university that I was uh, in school, University of Houston, and went to work there. 
And so uh, my role was, you know, training facilitation, um, looking at, you know, employee development opportunities, diversity, equity, and inclusion training and programs. And so that was kind of the, the entry point for me. And, you know, from there, my career just kind of, kind of continued to grow. And, you know, I made, you know, a, a few moves over many years where I advanced my career and ultimately was working in organizational development as a senior consultant. Uh, at a certain point, as I made some transitions for growth and progression, I entered healthcare. And it was like the sweet spot, honestly. It was um, the passion of the work I like to do within an industry where I really felt connected to purpose. Uh, there are lots of industries you can work in, but with healthcare being about caring for people and touching lives, um, it really was meaningful work for me in a different way. And I live in Houston, Texas, so there's a lot of oil and gas and energy and manufacturing. Um, but this particular industry felt right for me. And so I was a senior organizational development consultant in a healthcare organization. And uh, vacancy uh, came available for a human resources director role. I had partnered very closely with HR leadership. I had worked on major initiatives um, in my role as a consultant. And literally, you know, through opportunity and circumstance, I landed in the HR director role. Uh, it was not the path I saw for myself. I actually thought I would remain kind of in the OD learning training space. Um, but I fell in love with hospital operations, with the support of hospital operations, uh, kind of from a people and talent perspective. And that is where I have been the last 12 years of my journey. Um, as an HR leader, uh, supporting in healthcare. And as mentioned, I've been at Houston Methodist the last seven years of, of my career journey, and I've loved it here. It's, it's by far the organization that um, I have the greatest sense of pride uh, to be a part of. Well, that's a fascinating journey. Thanks so much for sharing it. I have always come to appreciate sometimes the non-linear journeys uh, are the most exciting and perhaps even more common than the linear ones in terms of I'm at point A and I know I want to be at point B. Um, thanks so much for sharing that. So as you were talking, it got me thinking the strong leadership of CHROs, uh, L&D, senior L&D, uh, uh, individuals and, and officers is key, I would think, in every industry, but it's probably more pronounced in healthcare. And I think the reason why is because you made a point earlier, Courtney, that Houston Methodist is so patient-centric. You put the patient at the center of everything. And I think that is generally true in healthcare. And if the patient as, is at the center of everything, and if the health and wellness of that patient and that patient's satisfaction is at the center of everything, then we need to make sure that the individuals that are serving that patient are also highly satisfied. Because I would think that um, low satisfaction in one would cause low satisfaction in the other. And that happy healthcare professionals yield happy patients. And so I think that puts you front and center 
in the work that you do. And so one question for you is, as you've been in this profession for over 20 years, I would think that the industry has changed. The HR industry has changed or certain elements within the industry have changed. Um, there certainly is staffing and employee retention, leadership and development. Um, but for you, what is the topic or area that you have seen the most change in or you're spending more of your time in this area? Sure. Well, there's, the only thing constant is change, right? So there, there's been so much. I'm trying to think about um, kind of what are what are the biggest things? I mean, I've been in healthcare for many years. And so um, staffing and, you know, talent pipelines, how do we find enough nurses? How do we find enough medical assistants? That's kind of always been um, a part of it. Uh, and so I, I, I won't talk about that. I think I'll I'll veer into a, a different space kind of in my own head. It's two things. So we're obviously on the other side of a global pandemic. And I think if I think about most recently how my focus has shifted, um, it's been in, in two areas. One has really been a heightened focus on the emotional health and mental health and well-being of the workforce. More than ever before, my job as a people leader has become a job that looks like um, are uh, our employees well? Um, are they supported? Are they um, healthy in every way in order to serve our patients, in order to serve our clients? And so that has looked like for us as an organization, um, ensuring that we are offering the best uh, benefits. Uh, comprehensive benefits and uh, things that support mental health. And I work with a colleague um, whose team has just done a phenomenal job. Uh, I personally tap into some of those benefits and not always the typical. I mean, we're living in new times, so we have to be innovative. Um, an example, uh, we have a partnership with um, an organization where virtual counseling is available. It's an app. Um, and I, I won't name it just in case I'm not supposed to, but very popular. Um, and so if you are busy working and you can't fully break away and drive across town to sit in the office of a licensed counselor, um, you can access an app. And in our organization, at no cost to you as an employee, if you're covered under our medical plan, you can access counseling services and support. That's one small example of an array of benefits that we have really ramped up. Also, in my role, I oversee uh, what we call employee relations and just the, you know the, the issues and incidents. Sometimes it's grievances and complaints. Sometimes it's other types of, of employee issues that we are really helping uh, the operational leaders navigate. And more than ever in the last few years, um, we are called into scenarios where an employee may be volatile, a risk of self-harm, things that, you know, you're used to as an HR professional helping navigate performance management and helping navigate, you know, the, the, the other types of issues that employees have. But there have been some, some really difficult and tricky scenarios that we've had to support from an HR perspective. And so um, I would say, you know, from from my organization's view, we are um, caring for the whole person. 
And um, I regard it that way with our employees as well. And so that's really been a focused area um, in HR that I've seen just a spotlight on and I've personally been impacted by. I haven't had more conversations in my career that are more about the, the mental health and well-being or, you know, personal challenges that employees are facing. I'm happy to be in an organization in which that matters. Um, where the time and energy and finances are placed behind that. Um, and then briefly, the other trend I see uh, that has changed is really about, um, you know, the future of work. And, you know, frankly, due to some of those staffing shortages, how can we work smarter? How can we work differently? How can we integrate technology um, virtual medicine is something big that we've looked into and really having, um, you know, roles and hiring for people uh, that are interacting maybe with a patient through a tablet. And how do they need to be trained differently? And how do we ensure they feel included um, if they're remote or hybrid? So um, th there's a lot there uh, really that we could speak to, but that's kind of a key change and trend that not only myself and team, but a lot of HR professionals are focused on. Well, I love hearing about a more comprehensive view of the you know whole soul individual and making sure that that individual is um, is uh, you know fully engaged um, across all aspects uh, within the profession. And then you're right to certainly touch upon the the changing nature of work. Uh, technology certainly is is a constant, um, perhaps even more so in healthcare than other industries. Um, a question for you, uh, at, at the time of, of us scheduling uh, this interview, um, you know, 22,000 uh, employees with Houston Methodist, you shared that, well, that number has increased now around uh, 30,000 employees, um, growth, it appears, is a constant at Houston Methodist. And referring back to culture and the importance of culture and this, you know, eye care framework, how do you um, expand, have employees embrace culture within a rapidly growing organization? I suspect you have a great deal of experience with that, Courtney, how do you stay ahead of the growth curve? Sure, um, I, I will share, though we are ever growing, not quite that rapid, right? So it, it wasn't, when we scheduled this, uh, you know, it wasn't 22,000 then, I'm not certain kind of source of that data, but sure, we, we are we are growing. Um, so what I would say is probably, I think the stat I've heard is that in the last 15 years, Houston Methodist has doubled in size, right? So um, lots of growth and lots of continued growth. You mentioned we have a physician organization. Um, there is a plan to potentially double the size of that organization by 2030. So it is constant growth. And um, because culture is key for us, uh, I will say I, I kind of have a, a phrase I heard somewhere that I often repeat that in human resources, as a people leader, your role is actually one of a culture keeper. When you are part of a strong culture, uh, what you're responsible for is keeping that culture. Uh, and so I, I take that part of my role seriously. A big part of it is attracting the right talent, having talent that 
uh, are a fit for the culture. Uh, we ensure that as we are interviewing, as leaders are engaging, it is something that they are focused on so uh, that they are hiring for fit and fit, of course, within this uh, I care culture and our values. Um, and so that's one part of it. Another part is intentional um, kind of programmatic and other efforts to uh, reinforce the culture, uh, to remind employees of their role in keeping our culture. Uh, we have a program called Pathway to Unparalleled, uh, where you know we are striving uh, towards unparalleled, and uh, we do kind of programmatic things annually um, to really bring our employees back, give a time of reflection um, that really heavily talks about our culture and it's storytelling. It's actually a powerful program. Uh, early in my tenure, uh, there was uh, a year that we had unparalleled innovation was the focus. And I actually had an opportunity to be a part of that effort and uh, be a part of the video and the storytelling of that effort. And what I can tell you is it's powerful. Um, it's, it's an experience. And we actually uh, kind of really invest in it such that all employees attend um, sessions where they're brought together. It, you know, it does kind of immerse them again in the culture. And I think that's one piece of, of the puzzle as well, is that you have to be intentional about it. You have to reinforce your culture. And then here's the hard part, right, as an HR leader. When things are happening that are a risk to sustaining your strong culture, whether it is misconduct, for performance, understanding there are people who are not a fit to the culture. Uh, there is, you know, unfortunately, a process by which you exit those people from the organization. I, I will say it's the least favorite part of my job, but a necessary part because you don't sustain good culture um, by allowing, uh, you know, behavior and, you know, things that aren't a match to that culture or those values to continue. And so, again, that's the difficult part. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot to it. Um, but those are kind of some key components, I feel, um, that help us keep such a strong culture at Houston Methodist and then specifically the role of HR um, in keeping the culture. Well, let's talk about something that I believe you're very, very passionate about, and that is the importance of mentoring and coaching to an organization's culture and overall performance. Um, Courtney, you have a, a career that many individuals listening to this podcast would aspire to. Um, I suspect if you're like me and many others, you've had great mentors along the way. Uh, can you speak to a mentor that has really helped you uh, in your professional life? Sure. I think, Spencer, you and I spoke uh, one day, and, and it just happened that day. I was having dinner uh, with a mentor that uh, has crossed my path in my life. And so um, I, I, I will focus on her, but in order to get to her, I just want to share quickly. I've had lots of mentors along the way. I feel like if there's anything that um, any advice I would give to someone, uh, especially early careerist, the WGU students and, you know, alumni, 
it is the importance of identifying someone. Um, sometimes mentor feels very formal. It, it's not always a formal engagement, but to identify someone um, along the way in your career path um, who can serve as support and guide and coach to you, um, whose example you've observed and want to follow. Uh, mentors aren't always the people in the role you want to be in. It might just be someone who the way they carry out their um, leadership is something that you admire or you can glean something from them. Um, and so very early in my career, I was uh, working in a healthcare organization and I uh, asked uh, at the time the executive over HR if, if we could chat. Um, and, and I would say, don't be afraid to take initiative to just have conversations with people about, you know, their career and ask for that advice, because sometimes that's the beginning of a mentoring relationship. Um, but he said yes. And I went to his office and, you know, I, I was excited about HR and said, you know, how do I grow? How do I grow in HR? Do I need to get my HR certification? You know, what do I need to do? Do I need to go back to school? And I, I kind of asked the question, but thought I knew the answers, right? <laughs> so um, basically, his answer was a surprise to me. Um, he gave me a book um, called Crossing the Quality Chasm. And I thought, what does this have to do with HR? And his advice to me was to first learn the business of healthcare. Um, and he said, a great HR professional and partner understands the business that they are supporting. And so that transcends healthcare. Obviously, if you are in human resources, honestly, in a variety of roles, it's important to understand the business. And so um, I took that away. I did read that book. And after that, many others. And I thought, hmm, it's just an interesting notion um, to best support uh, the people and the talent of the organization. I need to have some understanding of what they do, the role they play how it works, the financial side of the business. And so I, I learned it. Um, ironically, things come full circle. And the mentor I, I, I will talk about in this, this moment, um, her name is Susan Bailey Newell. Um, she actually uh, joined uh, the organization I was in many years later as the chief human resources officer. Um, and so I did not engage her as a formal mentor. Frankly, I was a uh, direct report to her and watched her work and, um, you know, admired a lot of things about her. And uh, we have a great relationship. So I can also say thought she was absolutely crazy on some things as well. Um, but, you know, what happened is kind of through that observation, through the things I appreciated, it began to shape my own leadership style. And I began to kind of take some things away um, that I saw her do. And uh, she had a very open door where I asked her for advice. And so we never sat down and it wasn't a conversation to say, will you be my mentor? Um, but in fact, as a leader, you can wear the hat that is mentor and coach, even if people aren't engaging you formally. And I would say always people are watching when you're in a leadership position. Um, I regard it as a privilege. Um, and I also regard it as something you have to um, think carefully about in terms of the moves that you're making. And so she was a great example. I learned a lot from her. And then when my career progressed and I was no longer working with her, um, we kept in touch. She is someone that I would go to um, in my new role as I needed advice and mentoring. And then 
you know, a little more formality did come to it. You know, let's check in or I have this issue. Can you help me think through it? Um, even very recently, uh, she is the person I got together with for dinner, needing some advice in kind of my current career um, and career path. And so um, what I would say to that is mentoring is important. It's been important to me. Um, in turn, I have served as a mentor. Um, I have mentored many people in my role prior to this one within Houston Methodist. So I've made some transition within the organization. Um, I mentored five individuals in a formal way. We actually created a mentoring program for new leaders. And I had several new leaders working with me and mentoring um, with me. And I would say it's a mutually beneficial thing. Um, you have to pay it forward. Um, but I get as much out of mentoring people um, than I believe I'm giving to them. And I currently still seek mentoring from others. And so uh, it's, it's something that I believe in wholeheartedly and can talk about for a very long time, but I'll cut it off here, Spencer. Um, but that's what mentoring has kind of meant to me in my career. You've shared that seeking out a mentor, whether in a formal a, a arrangement or an informal arrangement, is a great first step for individuals um, just perhaps starting out. Uh, in the profession. But as you've indicated, uh, mentoring is a lifelong uh, uh, pursuit. What other advice, and I love uh, that bit of advice that your mentor provided you, and that is learn the business, really learn the business so you can better support it. What other bits of advice, maybe one more thing, would you have for individuals that are about to finish uh, their undergraduate or graduate work or are at the beginning uh, of their career. Yeah, I want to I want to say something so insightful here, but it's probably pretty simple. Um, the advice I would give is that your learning doesn't stop with a program at WGU or wherever you are matriculating. Um, the advice I would give is to be a continuous learner. Um, it is the thing that probably keeps you at the top of your level of performance, whatever you do. Um, always seeking to learn more. I often tell new hires in the organization, be a sponge. Um, just pursuing things that even if not formal education, help you to learn, help you to grow. Um, you know, finding things that really pour into you. Um, because some people who are early careerists like myself, you're still figuring it out. You know, I always admire people that from a very young age knew exactly what they wanted to do. Um, in my, you know, story, I learned what I wanted to do, you know, through the pursuit of education. And it was a bit of a windy road and, and then reached the sweet spot. But the thing that has been most consistent for me no matter what role I've been in, no matter what organization I've been in, um, the most consistent thing is that I've never stopped learning. Um, I've never uh, felt like I knew it all or knew everything. Now, my husband might disagree with that, <laughs> but uh, I, I never have thought I've got it. I don't need to learn more. And um, with the continuous learning advice, never underestimate who you can learn from. Um, and so what I would say is my example of, of mentoring even was a leader. Um, however, I have to say, even in my current role, 
I have such a strong team um, that I work with. And at all levels of an organization, there's something to learn and to be open to that and to seek that learning, whether it's through, um, you know, job shadowing, cross training, having lunch or coffee, um, informal conversations, learning isn't something that only happens in a classroom, on a webinar. Um, learning is something um, that is happening in every interaction you have in life. And so I would just say strive to be a continuous learner and uh, you will arrive at where you should arrive in terms of career choice. Um, and then from there, keep learning. That's what I would say, Spencer. I love that, Courtney. That is such great advice. Let me end with this question. Um, where should individuals go to learn more about opportunities at Houston Methodist? Yay, I'm glad you asked, right? <laughs> so uh, we do have a Houston Methodist career site. Um, and so you can go to HoustonMethodistCareers.org. Um, from there, you know, you can search for jobs across uh, all of our hospitals. I personally support the corporate division of our organization, um, which does include, you know, many non-clinical roles as well as some clinical roles as well. Um, and so we have, you know, many, many opportunities across the organization for you to explore. Um, I would say to people in pursuit um, of career opportunities, LinkedIn um, is also a site where not only do we post and advertise for jobs, but our recruiters interact there. Other organizations are active there. Um, but Houston Methodist is the one. Uh, within corporate, I will tell you, we do have some remote and hybrid jobs. And so if you don't happen to live in the state of Texas, uh, there are some select states and select jobs for which you could become a part of Houston Methodist. So I encourage um, everyone watching and listening uh, to go out to Houston Methodist Careers website uh, and explore there. And uh, please do uh, sign up for our talent community and become a part of Houston Methodist uh, in a role that is a fit for you. Courtney, thanks so much. I think you'll probably have a few takers knocking on your door Absolute pleasure getting to know you and your journey to where you are and your overall perspective. Thank you so much, Courtney. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Stuart. Wonderful to talk with you this afternoon. Um, and uh, I, I hope the people watching and listening uh, find some value in what was shared here today. So thank you for the opportunity. I'm sure they will. Thanks so much.